Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. I'm Lori Handlers, and you're listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And hopefully you're getting sexier and happier. That's I always say that, and I mean it, and you know I am, so I hope you are. Today, I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Emerald May, and she, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. Um, she is as deep personal inquiry through sexuality as a conduit for her work. Emerald works as a sacred sexuality and conscious communicator and practitioner, and she's the single mom of two kids. And Emerald, we're, uh, welcome to uh, Sex and Happiness. Thanks, Laurie. It's wonderful to be here. And you are somewhere in England? That's right. I'm in London. I'm in southwest London. Yeah. Okay, great. On a great. great evening here. Wonderful. Um, so we are going to talk about something we're going to call the sister wound or the sisterhood wound, the competition between sisters and even the competition between women who are friends who are like sisters, you know, like right. the things that we're going to open up the wound and look at it a little bit. We're going to examine it. And how this happened is I, Emerald wrote something on, um, Facebook recently. And I said, Hmm. That is a subject I have not talked about at all on my show, but I certainly felt that. Mm. Um, so, you know, it just, it like, it, it sparked something in me. I've had a stormy relationship with my sister and okay. I'm mostly, I feel that I've been heartbroken before, you know, and I'm a, I'm a straight woman. I relate mostly to men sexually and love wise, but my, the women that I love in my life have hurt me more than any man has ever hurt me over heartbreak. And so I, when I saw that, I just went, we have to talk about this. What is going on here? Why is this happening? So before we get really into the subject, let's talk a little bit about how you got to be a sacred sexuality and conscious kink educator. Did you grow up thinking that's what you were going to be? Thanks, Laurie. No, not really. Although when I did tell my friends that I was going to move into this field, they were like, yeah, of course you are, Emerald. You know, of course. I was the kid who at 14, I would ask my friends, do you own a vibrator? And they said, no, what's that? And we, I said, right, well, let's go to Ann Summers then, which is a high street sex shop, which is awful. But well, actually, no, it has its benefits, but um, it's, it's pretty low, low quality stuff. And we'd go there after school and I'd take my friends to buy vibrators. So it's always been part of my life, very much so. And I grew up pretty fast, I feel. I've always been quite tall. I started my menarche at nine and a half. Um, I, was, I have red hair. I have an unusual name. And I was always quite tall. So my teachers would always see me in the classroom and they'd point me out and say my name. And everyone kind of knew me and this sort of supported my independence, I guess, and my outgoingness and boldness. Um, and I had, I had a pregnancy as a teenager, which sadly 
um, I, it, it didn't work out. And then I had um, my first son in my early 20s um, and then my daughter in my mid-20s. And I got married to the guy who was the father of my children. And then I realized at 28 that I was really bloody miserable. Oh, am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Yes, you can. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> not too much, obviously. But um, I realized I was really miserable and I needed to, to find myself. And I, I left him. We had, there was a, a pretty apocalyptic breakup, which I might talk about um, yeah. during this, during this um, chat, actually. Um, and I realized that I was really miserable and I needed to find, find myself again. And that sort of sent me on the path of exploration, I guess. And seven years later, here I am emerging into the world of conscious sexuality as an educator and coach after a seven years of experience of my own personal exploration through sexuality um, mm. and spirituality. And not so easy to do with two children. You know? No, it's, um, it's curious. I haven't met many single mums on this path, I have to say. Um, and maybe it's because I haven't found them yet. Uh, maybe they're out there somewhere. But the majority of my, of my friends who, who are in this world are, are single women. Um, yeah. And, and that, that feels, and I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from a cis female uh, perspective. I identify as pansexual and I appreciate that I've grown up in a patriarchal and white privileged white supremacist society. So my experience is particularly, shall we say, run of the mill, perhaps in, in some ways in that in that cultural um, way. But also I've got this slightly different edge of being a mum of, of now a 13 year old and a nine year old at the age of 35. So it's um, it's a different path, I see. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's great that you're doing it. Now, do they do the kids have any inkling of what you do? They do actually. Yeah, my son a bit more than my daughter. She's just nine and a half, so yeah, she's she's just starting to develop into puberty. So that's that's something that's that's coming up for her. But my son has a bit more understanding. We watched the uh, the Netflix show Sex Education. Love it. Yeah, isn't it amazing? I, yeah. I absolutely love it. And um, and so I think he he sees me a little bit like Gillian um, Anderson's character. I, I can't remember her name right now. But um, yeah, so I think he... he the meddling he, he, mom. The meddling mom who doesn't really have any boundaries and her son mimics her and becomes a sex educator in the high school. Lo love the right. show. I can't wait to the next season. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very good one. I, I wouldn't say I'm that meddling. Um, we yeah. have, a, I have, I have stronger boundaries uh, with him, but I think he he's opening up a little bit more to having these conversations with me. So, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So, do, when you were growing up, did you have sisters? No, I have one brother, but I had um, two cousins, uh, a male and a female, and I was very close to my female cousin. Um, and they lived abroad, they lived in a different country, but we spent quite a lot of time together on holidays um, mm -hmm. together. And, and she moved in with me around the time of my, both my children's births, actually. So she was living with my mum at one point and um, with my kids and my husband at the time mm -hmm. as well. So I had a, I had a cousin who I was very close with, but I also had a f all of my education pretty much has been with women. 
Um, so in the UK, we have schools that are sort of single sex schools. Um, it's mm -hmm. not too uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, and I went to an all girls school from the beginning until 17 um, when I left school. And then I went to a nanny school. So I was a um, trained as a nanny. It was my first career. So I worked in childcare and education and I was a manager of a nursery. And again, loads of women around. We had one guy, I think, in the nursery. And then when I was 30, I decided to go back to university and study psychology. And in the cohort of 140 students, I think we had maybe 10 guys. So again, there I was in this, in this beautiful concoction of women again. And it, I just seemed to spend a lot of time with women. And now a lot of my colleagues and friends in the conscious sexuality world are also women. Um, so yeah, I've had quite a lot of experience with sisters, not necessarily blood sisters, yeah. but um, friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have one sister, I have no other siblings, and um, our relationship has been uh, very stormy. It's very difficult for us to get along, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've created sisters all over the place. Like I have, I have you know, thousands of friends, but I have an inner circle of very close women friends. And we've all had bouts of, you know, my, with my two best friends, there were times where we didn't speak for years. We were so mad at each other. They were, mm -hmm. And then one of them and I uh, had competition over men. Um, and she used to like give me the men she was who were interested in her. She did she, for whatever the reasons she wasn't didn't want to be with them, and she would give them to me, and then she would be mad. So I mean, there was so much. There's so much. Um, and I, you know, to me, I think maybe they, it hurts more because I'm so close with them and maybe I don't take men as seriously. I don't know. Mm. You know, like I, something, something in there, you know, is, is, uh, it's crazy. I, I can also remember like I used to teach assertiveness, assertiveness training. And I, and in, in uh, when I lived in Boston, and um, I used to teach at the Boston Center and the Cambridge Centers for Adult Education. And um, the women's class, I would have it from six to eight in the evening. And the men's class, I would have from eight to 10. Because I felt like the problems that the men talked about in the class were so less. Mm -hmm. They were so, to me, they were more, it was more comical. And the women's stuff that they talked about was so heavy. And what right. they couldn't dirt themselves about and what they wouldn't say and the th problems that they came into class with. And so I used to put the men's class after, so kind of for comic relief, you know? Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about a common language between women though, between sisters, that there is this ability to maybe open up a little bit more. Um, I found in my experience being able to open up uh, to women more as friends than men. And I'm not sure if, if that's, um, a common experience for people but I, maybe that's partly to do with my upbringing and the fact that I've spent a lot of time with women but I think yeah there is this common language that allows us to, to be vulnerable in each other's presence more so than yes that. well and women have they say women have like more vocabulary words than men women connect like they 
you know, we open to each other, we have the language to open to each other, and it's expected. We get into collusion with each other. We complain to each other. We, t- we say, you know, this happened and this, this happened mm-hmm. to me. And then they take sides, you know, and they, like, they, they gather around and whatever. And men don't talk like that. They talk, right. they do not communicate that way. They don't, um, they go in their cave and work things out, whatever that is. I don't, I don't, you know. Mm. I think I've noticed the other thing, particularly with my son as he's growing up, is that boys tend to have a fight about it. They might have a massive argument and a massive physical fight, and then it's kind of done and move on. Whereas I see that my daughter has got these experiences with the girls in her class and in her year group that it sort of goes on and perpetuates and they sort of can never end it, you know, and they have this experience where that it becomes a little bit bitchy from both sides and it, people, they seem to hold on to that. There's no sort of fine, finite, right. That's it. We've moved on from that now. And, right. Um, I've noticed that with my, with my children and their interactions with their friends. And I'm, so that's, that's a curiosity that I have. Yeah. So let's talk about where we think that comes from because it's, um, you know, it's di- it's definitely different, and it's it's it can be very hurtful. Um, look at the Me Too movement. I mean, let's just take a look at the Me Too movement for a second. I mean, you know, women who who didn't say anything and uh, and had were victimized, either self-imposed or at you know at the whim of men in power. And then they uh, started speaking out and they took down certain people who needed to be taken down. But now men are frightened to death. Like a woman can just like point at a man and go, he, and if it's true, it's true. And if it's not true, it's not true, but nobody knows. And that someone can just be like removed from his earnings, removed Mm. from a position, thought so badly of you know so there's so i think there's it can be dangerous yeah i think there is an element of that i think the only in these situations that are horrendous for people involved the only two people that really know what happened are the two people that were involved right and you know and no matter what anyone else says or has experience of that that's the truth unless of course it's been witnessed by others than and that which thankfully mostly is is a more uncommon but right. i think that um yeah you're right there's 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 fear i've spoken with some men around sort of not not really knowing how to behave in some ways around around some women for fear of being called out as um predatory a predatory exactly predatory uh abusive uh I mean, all the all the men that I know right now, these days, all the men that I, that I interact with are afraid. Mm. Are afraid. Some of them have t- done good things. They've done reparations, like they've called women in their past from their past and said, um, "If I did anything that uh, crossed your boundaries or whatever, I apologize." Like some men that I know have done that, wow. which I think That's, is great. That is great. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot for a woman to be able to forgive that kind of experience. And that's when having sisters around is a really empowering thing because you can talk to 
other sisters around this experience. And I think that's the Me Too movement has supported is this, you know, cohesion of women together saying, actually, yeah, me too. I did have that experience. So we're not necessarily, you know, fighting against each other anymore and competing for, for whatever it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, we're supporting each other and, and working back together, which is what we used to do, you know, years and years and years and years ago. We used to raise children together. We used to bleed together. We used to pass our wisdom towards and to and we used to share things and then I don't know there was this I was mentioning earlier this sort of idea that we suddenly came into sort of competition with each other and it's possible that that was around the time of the witch trials because you can look at that as you know women were were going to die and they were being asked you know tell us who the witches are and then you might be saved I mean obviously 90% 90% of the time they weren't saved but if they had you know if they were going against their sisters in a way and they were saying you know calling them out and saying yes that one that one's a witch take her instead of me and that sort of built built a kind of competition and and I suppose yeah and then with the patriarchy coming in as well if we're going to go down this route I suppose it makes perfect sense we had to always match you know, we, there's this kind of idea that we have to match the man, you know, our pound is, is, is based or, so our dollar or pound that what we earn is, is matched against the man. So we earn X amount of a man's dollar. It's like, you know, why can't we be in our uniqueness as, as women and, you know, our natural contribution to society and doing that with other women is the way for me, I think is the way to do it. I feel like I've gone on a bit of a marching band here, but, um, from witches to patriarchy, but yeah, it's fine. So what, yeah. So you do some work with women. You do, um, aside from the schooling and the things that you talked about, um, Mm. where you've been mostly with women, but you also have workshops. Yeah, that's right. That, you know, um, cause I don't, I mean, I don't know about that, the witch thing. I mean, I don't know if it started then. Like Mm. I, I just don't know when it started. I know things changed. What I what I understand is that things changed when we became agrarian. Mm. You know, we became uh, when when um, women actually uh, um, tamed animals and made them. You know, animal husbandry came in, and then they grew crops, etc. And men did not have to uh, go and hunt anymore because because food was being produced. Mm-hmm. And that, and then men didn't have anything to do. So that, and then there was a surplus of crops. There was a surplus of food, and then um, men started guarding that. Like we, we got like police, and we got uh, they would guard something that was their own stash, you know, or their woman grew this, or their animals, and lots of things changed when we became when they didn't go out and hunt. And hunting wasn't a full-time job anymore. Things changed. Mm. Um, I think I think since men stopped actually hunting animals to eat, they started hunting women. <laughs> Curious. <laughs> and sometimes that can be quite fun, you know, being hunted or being a hunter. <laughs> but I think, I think it's when it starts having an effect on on sisters together 
for me, that's um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah. The co this competition thing. I don't know. I just don't know when it started. I just don't know. But this is good. I think it would be great to do some research into this and find out. Yeah. When this happened? When did women start really competing with each other? Um, I yeah. I think. Do your listeners ask you questions, or is there an opportunity for things like that? Um, not really the, um, I, my first show, when I first started this, um, my show was called Tantra Cafe and, um, I started at this small station in New York city called Tribeca radio. And, um, it was a call in show mm -hmm. and I was so excited about it. I mean, it was like people could call in and people, the callers would call in and they, let's say it was somebody who knew you, the, they, the caller would call in and go. Hi, I went to college with you. And then I would go, listener, do you have any questions? No, I just wanted to call in and say hello to so-and-so. And I was oh. like, okay. I didn't have any <laughs> great callers. So I stopped that. Sure. Okay. So no, they can't. But um, but they can, they, they can write to me. And if anybody writes and says they know the answer to these questions, you know, like mm. why, why this sister thing is gnarly. Like it's mm -hmm. when women get together, it's wonderful. And then the slightest thing could make it, could rock it in a different direction. Like the trust could go and then everyone could turn. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I just, it's been a real puzzle for me in my life. And mm. some things have happened that have been so hurtful. And at the same time, you know, I couldn't, I really, I couldn't function without my women friends. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know what to do. I just need, we need to talk to each other. We need to see each other. I had dinner with my best friend last night and it was like, we had to see each other, you know, masked up and everything. We still have to see each other. Yeah. I had a card I gave to a friend, a really good friend once. And it said, um, some, I, I can't remember the exact words, unfortunately, but it said something like after spending three hours on the phone together, they decided that they just needed to have dinner together or just needed to meet for coffee. You know, you'd spend like hours and hours. We should meet up. Yeah, are you free now? You know, are you free tomorrow? <laughs> but it was, um, it just made me laugh because it's true. Sometimes when there's that, when there's that bond, it's, it's a really beautiful experience. Yes. And I'm, and I'm curious whether the, the competitiveness and the sort of bitchiness and passive aggressive behaviors as examples um, can come from a lack of self belief or a lack of self esteem within yourself. So you're seeing someone else who may be in a, cause I think this is what was happening for me quite a lot of my life, which is why I started this um, post on Facebook originally was um, I often had the feedback from people that I was scary or I was, um, what, what was the word that people used to use or use still now? Um, threatening. Threatening. Thank you. Yeah. But I was, a th I was threatening and I was, I was intimidating. And um, so that was kind of what started me off with this, this question around this post. And some of the responses I had was if people felt they weren't in their own power and they would see me, it seemingly in my power. I mean, at the time I wasn't, I didn't have a clue where I was. Um, but I obviously sort of projected this sort of sense of, um, boldness, should we call it? Um, and if they felt a little bit insecure about their own boldness, um, then perhaps they would then sort of feel the competition and try and, and make, you know, 
me make themselves feel better by making me I feel I sorry I'm not really being very clear with my language um but I think it's it, it, I think the way that you see others and the way you interact with others is very much a reflection of how you see yourself. Um, and perhaps people, you know, people who didn't necessarily have a, a more mature feminine or receptive energy, whatever people want to call it, may have sort of projected those insecurities on, onto others. I don't know how you feel about that. Happened, rather jumble of words <laughs> well, it's happened to me too i mean because i've always been this way i've always been uh very outspoken and a leader and um i don't i'm not tall you are i'm not <laughs> yeah. so I've, I've been short but like very you know uh we could say aggressive uh until i learned to be assertive i i, I probably was very aggressive and um yeah, I'm sure that I threatened people. I and mean, people have told me that also. One woman told me once, gee, I'll never forget it. Just one person said to me, I don't want to be your friend because I'm afraid that I will lose myself. I'm afraid that you will, your energy will swallow me up. Wow. I thanked her. I, I mean, it hurt, but I thanked mm -hmm. her. I said, you know, thank you for taking care of yourself. I, I mean... I would not try to swallow somebody up, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't get swallowed up. Right. It wouldn't mean that they wouldn't feel that might not be your intention, but it might exactly. be how it's perceived. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure though that, um, that people have felt threatened and then there's, and then there's a whole, there's people who have done things that are unconscionable. And I, there are some people that I, I don't speak to anymore. Yeah, um, I, and I hate that. I mean, I even I hate that that the things even happened. Mm -hmm. mm. It, yeah, it's it's curious. I think I um I had a, a my cousin who I was mentioning earlier. Um, we don't we don't speak anymore. Um, mm. And she did something that was unspeakable. And ironically, that's why we don't speak anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> I. Without my sister friends, you know, my sisterhood around me, I don't know how, I'd, how I would have got through that time. And I'm really pleased that I was able not to use that one experience that was, that was, she had an affair with my husband. Mm. So, you know, it was pretty mega. And I'm just so grateful that I was, an, I was able to have the support of my, my female friends. So I didn't think that every woman in the world was untrustworthy and would would go there and do that unspeakable right. thing um and I'm, I'm really grateful that my my friends supported me in that and i think that's where the the healing can can happen is when women are together and and can be in in a supportive and nurturing role that that is a little bit intuitive and instinctual and or instinctive i should say and, and supportive unconditionally rather than this sort of competition. I'm, you know, I'd, yeah, I think sticking together is, is the, yeah. that's a good thing, right? I think in the old days when they had things like the red tent, I think that it was much easier. I think that people, when people live in their own little apartments and their own little houses and they're separate and community mm -hmm. breaks down and there's nowhere really for people to, um, to gather there's nowhere for the sisters really to gather 
they used to maybe gather at the market or they used to gather or whatever. We don't have that anymore. Everything's decentralized. So, and I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know if we find ourselves in this situation or that's what I was saying. You know, things changed when we became agrarian, but now we're techno. And, um, well, that's a birth of new things too, Laurie, isn't it? Because I yeah. think what's happened over lockdown is that people have come together in different ways. And I, I run a beautiful, well, I'm a co-founder of this beautiful community called Vermilion, which is a sex positive well-being community that celebrates Eros as, uh, and cult- celebrates and cultivates Eros as life force energy. And we are a Facebook group at the minute and we've been running, I've been running women's circles there. So um, every Tuesday evening, we, we meet together in a circle to witness and celebrate and hold each other. And there's, we ask for consent if we want to offer reflections or impact. So there's not this kind of, we're not offering advice to women, which is, which is one thing that we love to do. It's like, I can fix this. This is, you know, I know I've been there. I can do that. <laughs> but this, it, it's a space where people can just be you know, and not have to worry about being judged and, and just fully express themselves. Um, That's really awesome. Mm. And are there men in this community also? Yeah, there are. Yeah. So we also have a men's group and we're creating a non-binary group as well for people who don't identify on on the binary of male, female, which is kind of what we've been talking about quite a lot. Um, yeah, and there's a whole load of other um, workshops and explorations and events that we, we offer in Vermilion as well, um, which, is, which has been a really beautiful community-building exercise throughout lockdown. Um, yeah, and I've also been really lucky, actually. Sorry. No, I love that. I just, I'm, I'm excited about that. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll invite you to join. It'd be great to have you there. Um, we've got about 1,700 members now. Um, wow. in the community yeah and it's it's growing and it, it's it's a beautiful concoction of of community and people from all over the world actually so we started off in the UK obviously um, and we launched in London with a few live events in February and then obviously lockdown happened three weeks later and my my co-founder Drew and I had to sort of create something different and new and here we are um, on zoom so beautiful. That, that's been a beautiful experience 1700 members that's wonderful that's just that's mm. yeah this the this lockdown has given uh technology a chance to flourish in the high touch way mm. rather than only the high tech way i've i've experienced yeah. that myself um all right so great so vermilion and then tell me about this uh you do a six-week women's course Right. Yeah. So I've just, that is a really exciting um, birthing that's happened during lockdown as well. Um, so I, I met a beautiful sister called Ariana Lalakea and we've never actually met in the flesh. We've just met on Zoom. So we were teaching on a six week online course, how to be better lover for women, which was run by Shawnee Love, one of my colleagues. Yeah, and Okay. Yeah. So um, we were we were co-teachers, facilitators on that six week course. And we met and we just we did. um, I think we did the intro to kink class. So it's a class every single day for um, well, 24 classes, actually, over six weeks. And we met in that class and um, we got on really well. So we co-created this beautiful course, which is called Remembering Self. 
and it's a six-week live online program or course and it starts in on the 4th of October mm. um, on Sunday evenings in the UK but obviously it can be and that can be accessible for American audiences too um, and it's a program for women um, who want to remember who they really are so I find that a lot of the time we are we've lost our power somehow and it may be through the way that we're brought up um, our conditioning it may be through society expectations or it may be through something like how to learn to keep safe and we sort of put these layers of shame and expectation on us and we forget our true intuitive intuitive wisdom basically um but the good news is that the body doesn't forget right. and we have that wisdom in us all of us and so this it's basically a basically doesn't sound very basic it sounds quite uh, mega but it's uh it's a beautiful program that we've we've created together um that will support people to remember who they truly are and to live in their true authentic expression that is grounded and humble but authentic and and they value themselves enough to voice their truth um, sounds so, yeah. wonderful that's what actually happened to me in tantra mm. like my, my first tantra class i remembered who i was i had given away everything to the corporate to corporate mm -hmm. the corporate world and then i went into tantra and the, for day one i just went oh I'm free now. I feel everything. And I'm connected to everything. Like, I'm like a drop of water in the ocean. I'm connected, you know, just like that. I, that was that was the wake-up call for me wow, on day beautiful. one going into Tantra. So um, so I, I love what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Mm. I feel like the roles get in the way, you know, like being a wife, being a mom, being a, being something. Yeah, the thing gets in the way of being, and um, absolutely. So I love that you're that you're doing that. Um, so it so in so in October when this starts, this will be your first one, your first six week. That's right. Yeah, it'll be our first first one we've created. So it'll be six live calls, and then we've got beautiful handouts. We've got gorgeous visual meditations and audio meditations and rituals and body body experiences it's it's going to be just beautiful i'm really excited about it wonderful um, so yeah. well good luck with that i i that Thank sounds you. terrific really it sounds Thank terrific you. and it feels like it's uh, when we remember like i'm going to just make this conclusion when okay. we remember who we are then we are connected and then right. we don't compete and we don't, you know, we don't find ways to hurt each other. We find ways to build each other. Um, it's only when we're, when we think we're vying for the same resource, whichever, whether that's a man or whether that's uh, money or power or whatever, uh, that we hurt each other. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't really have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to, to yeah. conclude that. Definitely. I think it's, uh, we are more powerful together. That's, yeah. that's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. In our, and celebrating our own uniqueness and celebrating everyone else's uniqueness too, together. I think that's yeah. beautiful. It's great, really.
I had when I was in the seventies, I had, um, I started a business called we are women's educational and resource enterprises. And, um, <laughs> <I've got title. laughs> yeah, well, there was a chant. We used to have a chant. I remember this chant. I am, we are. So we used to chant, I am, we are. And then I went, I'm going to name a company. We are. And so I named a company we are, and I, I, I invited, um, six other women to be in the business with me. And so we were a collective for a while. And then that didn't really work out. It, like we, ju- we, we could never get anything done. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, so it That's ended so- up being two of us, uh, the two co-owners of the business, but we employed the others and did a weekends, weekend workshops and stuff. And it was, mm. it was a very, it was a very rich time in my, in my life. Um, yeah. So you're reminding me of so much like inner stuff, you know, like things that, um, yeah, things that are so important and so important to remember mm-hmm. and to, yeah. and to, and to, and to have focus and ongoing support. So it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So how do people get in touch with you? How, so people can, they can find Vermilion. like I'm trying can, to. Yeah, they can find Vermilion on Facebook. I can okay. send if we can send the link, that would be great. Um, my name's Emerald May, and I've just launched my Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, and I'm also um, on Facebook as, as a profile, as a person too. There's a person yeah. behind the profile. The person um, page, right? Yeah, so there's a person, then there's a page, and then Vermilion is group. Um, so okay. yeah, and then we have Remembering Self, which is our website for the course, and it's remembering-self.com. Okay, good. All right, so those are the best ways to reach out to you. If yeah, any they are. People have heard something here. If you, if any of my listeners have heard something here that all of a sudden, like you went, yeah, I don't have anywhere to talk about this, or I, I, I don't know who I am. I got lost somehow, and now I'm. I'm sitting in the COVID trying to figure it all out. Mm. This is a good opportunity for you to get in touch with Emeralds and, um, and see if the remembering self is for you. Mm. Everyone is welcome. So yeah, we're, we're, we're for women with an X. So that is for people who identify as women, but may not call themselves women or, or female um, as well. So I just wanted to highlight that too. Okay, that's great. Mm. Really? So you have non-cis members? Yeah, we may do. We may do. At the minute, we have cis, cis females. Okay. Um, and we, we, we're welcoming women who, who don't necessarily have female bodies. So, yeah. Beautiful. And for people who may not, may not call themselves women, but may have female genitalia. <laughs> just to be really explicit <laughs> thank you thank you're you welcome so it's really important to have those awarenesses as well mm. yeah thank you all right so um emerald may thank you for being my guest today it's been my pleasure and thank you for that post that caught my attention oh thank you so much laurie for inviting me it's been an honor to be here i'm really thrilled to be able to share some of my story and and thank you for receiving it so well. You're yeah. welcome. And I hope this helps someone. If you're out there and you're, uh, you've had some issues in, in some, with something called the sister wound, then um, 
you you may want to look further and um and emerald is a good resource for this and her groups are a good resource for this but this is something that it's important i think that we heal this and Absolutely. this is the yeah. beginning perhaps you know like it's important that we that we find each other so everybody, thank you for listening today. I couldn't do the show without you. I love to do them. Um, please tune in next time when I will have another amazing guest. I will have um, my dear friend Johnny, and he goes by Johnny Vajra. I'm not going to say what that means on this show, but we, he and I will talk about it on his show. Um, and, uh, and, and thank you. Thank you for being loyal audience. This is Laurie Handler signing off for Sex and Happiness. And I say to you, namaste. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Laurie and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.